Good morning, Sunset Hills. Won't you stand and join us in worship?
Amen. 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 Hey, good morning, Sunset Hills. How you doing? It's good to see you guys. My name's Eric, one of the pastors here. So glad that you're with us. If you're new, thank you for being here this morning. If you wouldn't mind texting to that little number right there, just say hi to us. We would love to get into a little conversation. And if you want to know a little bit more about our church, please come by and see me right at the end of service, right out in the lobby there. Uh, we've got a gift for you. We've got just an introduction that we want to make with you. And any way that we can serve you and help you, that would be great. Would you do me a favor? Since you're all up and look just, just spry and ready to worship, would you just turn around and say hello to a few people right around you, and then we'll continue in our worship in just a second. Well, listen, the, the Bible says that we get to enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We get to just lift up our voices in praise. And uh, uh, Kelly's out today. He's had a, a week away, and uh, he just had a full week, uh, a weekend of activities for himself. So he's getting a little, hopefully a little rest maybe in there. I don't know, Steve, but he, probably not. Um, but we'll find out next week and into the office and stuff, I guess. We'll see. But um, I really just am thankful for being here just helping lead us with our, our great worship team. And so I hope that you'll just help lift the roof off and sing worship together. So let me just open us up in a word of prayer. And uh, just thank you for you guys being here this morning. Looking forward to the word preached and just continuous worship. Father, thank you so much for you being the king of this church, you being the Lord and the Savior of this church, you really being the chief shepherd of this church. Lord, may you use this church to continue to be a light on a hill. Lord, that we would be able to shine the light and the truth of the gospel of Christ to Nolansville and beyond. That, Lord, that this church would be able to be a church that people could come in and uh, just hear and receive and then be served the, the full gospel of Christ. And, and, and that, Father, we would be able to just continue to lean into you and to look towards you as you would lead us and we would be faithful in following. Now, God, as we just get into this time of worshiping with you some more, may you just continue to just seep into our hearts. If there's people struggling this morning with their faith, may they be assured of that faith through the preached word, through the gathering of the community and the fellowship of the saints here. So we love you and we thank you and we look forward to continuing to just bring you praise in Christ's name and God's people said, amen. Yeah. 
Your 
You may be seated. Thank you. It's good to see you here on this, what has been a busy weekend and a lot of things happening within our church family. And you have taken time to be here this Sunday morning to not only worship, but to hear and participate in the speaking of God's word. Everybody good? Everybody good? I'm not sure you are. <laughs> we were at our men's retreat, several of us, and our speaker made a comment. He says, well, how many pastors get up and talk about their football teams, half of the service? Uh, and uh, then they talk about a lot of other things. And my mind was thinking, okay, well, if you've got a winning football team, that makes it a little easier to get up and talk about it, right? So... Tennessee won yesterday is that right I'm not going to talk about football the rest of the day but since he brought it up I thought well I'll just kind of start out say Tennessee did win yesterday right they're two and one is that right three and one three and one they, they played uh, four games they have played three sorry teams and one really good team so what does that make them uh, we'll see in a couple of weeks, right? Y'all don't seem to like that too much. I don't know what, it's the truth. Yeah? And that was from an Alabama fan, so. All right, well, let's talk about something much more important than football, right? For the past two weeks, we've been looking at this incredible story about Paul and Silas being imprisoned in Philippi for a ridiculous of offense of helping a young female slave who could predict the future. And she goes around town, and she's uh, been for some time being able to tell about what was going to happen in people's future. But as she's following uh, Paul and Silas, she's interrupting what's going on. And Paul lets this go on for several days, and finally he gets upset with it and says it's time to be quiet. So we're going to pick up the story, and I'm going to read through the entire account uh, in Acts chapter 16, just so we get the complete setting, okay? So verse 16 of chapter 16, the book of Acts. Once while we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. And finally, Paul, so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, and I think it's interesting here that he understands exactly what's going on in this woman's life. And he says, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. And when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. 
The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had severely, uh, been severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison, and the jailer commanded, was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he heard these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, if you were here last week, you may remember that when I read this about the earthquake, that I decided that I would add some sound effects to our reading. I intentionally had the sound turned up loud, so much so that if you were in this room, you could feel the vibration from the bass speakers, and that sound carried throughout the building into the children's area. And as this was going on, I had not prepared any of the children's workers or the kids about this. And as this was happening, they were beginning to look around and wonder what in the world was taking place with all this rumbling and everything happening. And one of them stood up, putting his arms up and said, come, Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> Pretty funny. Do you know what? There's a lot of truth that one day Jesus is going to come. And it's going to be through the burst of the sound of a trumpet. He's going to be announced, and he's going to come and take his children home. And I say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come quickly. The jailer woke up when he saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So that's kind of where we got last week. First week, kind of, a, you break this down, it's like three different scenes that are happening here. The scene one, it's Paul and Silas preaching, and the encounter with a young woman leads to their arrest, and, and, and they're beaten, and they're imprisoned, and they're praying, and they're singing in jail. And then you go to scene two, that was last week, this earthquake happens, doors open, the chains fall off, Paul stops the jailer from killing himself. He and his family get saved in the jailer's home because he had invited them there so he could dress their wounds. And then they have a baptismal service. He feeds them. Now scene three that we're going to talk about today. 
It had been a long night. And I want you to note here that <clears throat> sometime after all of this happens, where he has these encounters in the jailer's home, the party moves back to the prison, goes from the comfort of this, this, this guard's house back into the very place where all of this misery had taken place for Paul and Silas. <clears throat> Can you imagine how awkward it must have been for the jailer to say, hey guys, it's been an interesting evening and we have surely enjoyed you being in our home. Thanks for the baptismal service, but now I got to take you back to prison. Pretty awkward, I would think. Kind of a, a bummer sort of deal to put on what had been such an interesting evening. And this is where we pick up the story again in verse 35. After this many hours of strange and wonderful activity. When it was daylight, <clears throat> the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. Now, I want you to kind of, as best you can, insert yourself into the story here. Before we get to the, what was just said, let's just think about this for a second. Paul and Silas go willingly back into the custody of the jailer. Well, actually, they were never outside of his custody, but they are willing to submit to the jailer's authority of keeping guard over them. They didn't leave when they had an opportunity, when the earthquake happened. They didn't make a run for it going home with the jailer as, you know, it's like, dude, we, we've, we'd like to go home with you, but guess what? We've we got to get out of this town. We've had enough of it. They don't do that. They don't excuse themselves as they're walking along with some excuse like, uh, uh, Mr. Jailer, uh, man, <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom, you know, and take off. They don't do anything like that. After the party, they actually allow this jailer to take them back to jail. At some point, a little later, this man gets the message. The jailer is told to release them. And so he goes, and the jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released now you can leave and go in peace. I think you can still put yourself in the position of the jailer here. I think he's probably relieved that all of this seems to be coming to a close. It's been a long night filled with unexpected events. And I think he's probably thinking to himself, Hey, guys, thanks for not running off when you had the chance to do so. And I'm so happy that you really, you saved me from killing myself because, you know what, my family really needs me and it would have been just a terrible thing for me to have taken my life. So I'm grateful to you for that. And, and I can't tell you just how happy I am that me and my family, we got saved and baptized. This has totally changed us. 
and I know our lives are going to be better for what happened. And oh, by the way, I've got some great news for you. They've said you can leave now, so go in peace. Now, I'm reading into this, but we can imagine it must have gone something like this in real time. It seems to be uh, really a happy ending to what started out to being a really bad situation, kind of one of those all's well and ends well's type of story. Good has come out of bad for this slave woman, now for the jailer and his family, and the message comes uh, to Paul and Silas that he's joyful, and he brings the, the news, and he says... Go in peace. Sounds like a good ending, doesn't it? But not so fast there. My new brother in Christ, maybe Paul said to this jailer. He said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial. And even though we're Roman citizens, they threw us into prison. And now... They want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. I mean, come on, Paul. Couldn't you just leave quietly? Don't you think you could just just put all this behind us? And why do you want to just keep on stirring it up? Paul announces his Roman citizenship. And he declares his fundamental rights have been violated by the previous day's proceedings. And just when you think the story is going to come to an end, here's Paul and Silas being set free. He asserts his rights and demands, makes demands for them to come and have a face-to-face meeting with him. And the magistrates, they offer him a free pass to leave peacefully. So, Paul, why all this ruckus? Why are you stirring this up? Verse 38 says, the officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. So, what was the deal with this? Why were they so alarmed? Why does it seem now, all of a sudden, Paul, who has been a prisoner who has had gone through all of these different things, has been subjected to everything that the jailer has put him through, and, and all these good things happening, and, and now he's being able to be set free, but yet he's, he's sitting there, he says, no, wait a minute, I expect them to come to me. Why does he think that the same people who carried out such horrible sentences hours earlier would come to the jail house to, to escort him out? He certainly could have exercised the same rights that he's now proclaiming earlier on uh, before they had beaten him and thrown him into jail, but at that time he chose to keep silent. And now he chooses to bring it up. Why? Well, here's the why. Because the magistrates had done to Paul and Silas something that was illegal to do to the both of them who were Roman citizens. Those magistrates had broken Roman law. It was illegal 
to bind or beat a Roman citizen for any reason, yet they had done this to both of them without a trial conviction. I had uh, been probably thinking on the early, early on, I would have said, now, just wait a minute. I'm a Roman citizen. I would have announced this earlier, but Paul chooses to wait. But as he's now announcing this citizenship, I, again, I just kind of want to put myself into, what, what, I mean, if I, was, if I was in this situation, I would just say, you just wait. Guess what? You guys are going to be in trouble. Ha, ha, ha. You know? I would have just, like, you got, you're going to get what's coming to you. Why do you... What do you mean they're Roman citizens? I'm thinking they probably are saying to the set. And all of a sudden it's like, oh crud. We're going to be in trouble for what we've just done. When you were a kid, and maybe your parents left you, hopefully you were not like six or something, your brothers, but a little older, and they decided they were going to go somewhere, and they left you all there by yourself. And uh, you guys, you and your brothers, get into a fight. And you're just kind of clowning around, and it's like, first it starts out as a friendly fight. Well, not just your brothers, your sisters too, okay? Because I'm pretty sure there were some mean sisters in your families, right? Right? Amen? No, no, no mean sisters? None? All right, there's one. Thank goodness. We've got one mean sister. Right. Anyway, my brothers and I would always fight. And sometimes those fights would start out in one room and go to another room and another room. And pretty soon we were through the whole house. I mean, there would be chicken salad sandwiches thrown in each other. And, and the chairs would be turned over throughout the whole thing. And once my brother Randall threw a cowboy boot and it just stuck right into that door. The toe of that boot was just stuck in that door. And, you know, and it's like... Wow, we had a doozy of a fight, but you know, there's that cowboy boot stuck in that door. Like, well, pull the boot out, and maybe they won't see it, kind of did. <laughs> well, you pull the boot out, and there's a big hole there, and it's like, oh boy, we're going to be in trouble for this. I mean, you know what's coming, right? You know that this is not going to be good. I just have a feeling that's a little bit of how these magistrates must have felt. It's like, we know we're in trouble now. There's something bad going to happen here. And they know that it's not going to go well with them. And Luke records what happens. I'm sure there's a lot of discussion taking place between these guys, you know, some strategizing as to, okay, how are we going to get out of this? You know, what's going to be the best solution? Now, Paul's demanded for us to come down for this face-to-face -face meeting. Should we do that or not? If we do, this is going to happen. If we don't, well, we're going to have to answer for it. So they finally come to an agreement, and verse 39 says, they came to appease them, and escorted them from the prison, requesting that they leave the city. In essence, they come and apologize. And then they take them out, as had been requested by Paul, and, and they ask them 
to leave. You know, it's like, man, just can we just kind of get this behind us? I don't think they were, maybe they were concerned about what was going to be stirred up in the crowd possibly, but I think part of it too was like, we just need to get this off of our hands. Can we just go on with life? All seems to be, it all seems to be just a strange way to me of how Paul has handled this release from prison. But I want you to still think about this and understand that Paul was operating under the authority and listening very closely to the Holy Spirit. He was attuned to what the Holy Spirit was doing behind the scenes and was willing to put aside his personal freedom and comfort in order to follow God's plan. Twice he had the opportunity to leave when he was set free by the earthquake and when the magistrate sent word of being free. But he's compelled to stay so he could see good come out of the bad that he had suffered. It would be a mistake to think that Paul is seeking to defend his pride or his reputation or even his civil rights, his civil liberties in this event. There's a bigger picture that he's seeing and knowing that he has to carry through with. And although Luke, the writer of Acts, doesn't explicitly share all of his reasons for staying silent the first time and, and now he's speaking up, he, Luke doesn't explain all that. But certainly by now we know that uh, he has announced his Roman citizenship. And earlier, when he chose not to do it, good happened. People got saved. And now he asserts who he is. It seems reasonable that there's some purpose behind why he's doing this. And there actually is a purpose behind it. You see... He was in process of just establishing this church, planning a church for the Philippian people. And, and it was just now kind of getting off the ground. And, and he was concerned that these new believers were going to be treated with the same kind of hostility that he had been treated with. So rather than submit himself to be uh, just say, okay, I'll do what you say do. I'll get out of town as you've asked me to do. He's, he's digging his heels in. He's saying, you will not treat Roman citizens this way. And he's thinking about those early church members in Philippi. You're not going to treat them this way. He's protecting them. He understands what could happen, and he speaks into that. And later he would write to the Philippian church. Listen to this. Philippians 1.12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, now think about all that's happened to him in times past. And they would know about this as he's writing this letter sometime later. He says, brothers and sisters... That what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. 
He's looking back and he's saying, I want to remind you of all those bad things that are happening. It actually had good happen because of it. I want to remind you of that. And then he goes on in that same letter. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. It is an action of what he's doing, a placing above his own comfort, above his own safety, the action, the, the, he, he's putting this in place, those early church members. He is doing this, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. I believe there's a great argument here that he's demonstrating spiritual discernment, discernment as he's listening to the teaching of the Holy Spirit in this crisis. There are times, lesson I'm taking away from this, there are times when you need to speak up, and there are times when you need to keep silent. Amen? There are a lot of people who need to speak up in situations. And my goodness, there are a lot of people who just run their mouth all the time. They got to speak into every situation, it seems. And most of the time, it seems like with no authority to do so. But there are times in a believer's life when we need to speak up and time to keep silent. Paul uses the self-discipline controlling his speech to further the gospel. There was a time when he was silent, and then there was a time when he needed to speak up. And there are times when we as Christians need to take a stand for what we believe. We need to exercise our faith. We should know what we believe and ready to defend it. Does that sound familiar, guys? Because our men's retreat yesterday, the speaker talked about this. There are times when we need to do this. Failure to do so weakens and discredits the gospel. More times than not, this how we go about this is just in the everyday life. Now, I think there are times when Christians need to go out and we need to band together and we may need to make a statement to our community. But more times than not, in how we typically live our life, we should be speaking into the situations of our daily lives that God's placing us in those situations. Too often, believers would choose to take the easy road rather than stand up against wrong philosophies and wrong practices. But there's also times when it's necessary to keep silent. Jesus exemplified the wisdom of silence. You remember a time when he did this? When he was standing before Pontius Pilate. In Matthew 12, 36, 37, Jesus said this. Oh, okay, this scripture's not up here. I should have put it up there because this one stings a little bit. This is a, a teaching of Jesus. He said, you... He's talking to us. Must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Let me, let me make sure you hear that. Okay. 
I'm talking to Steve Durham, I'm talking to you. You, this is Jesus speaking, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak, the words you, will, you say will either acquit you or condemn you. That's pretty powerful teaching there that says we're going to be responsible for the things we say. So if you don't have a filter on what you say, Jesus is saying, you better start putting one on. You don't have a right to just go out and blab your opinion whenever you want to. Amen? Oh, well, that's pretty weak. Jesus, James taught us this. If you want to really be a genuine person, a godly example in the church, then you must learn to control your tongue. And Paul here is consistent with the teaching that God reveals to him of how we're to live our Christian life. He goes on in other writings, and he says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. I'm wondering if he's remembering, hey, there, I'm in chains? I've been in prison? And yet he's saying, if that's what it takes, then bring it on. Pray that that's going to happen. That I can proclaim the mystery of Christ. Pray that I can proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in every way you, you act toward other outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And then he says this to verify what Jesus has taught. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's consistency in his life. He demonstrates this remarkable discernment to distinguish between a time that calls for deference and a time that calls for defiance. He's a, a guided by the Holy Spirit in this in order to carry out God's plan and purpose. On Friday evening, as I've said earlier, several of our men attended the men's retreat at Horton Haven Camp. We had a great time, and, and I really encourage you men, and when, if you missed out, you need, to, you need to go on the next men's retreat. It's just a great opportunity for fellowship and encouragement. Uh, as always, if Danny opened us up and he does this and everything, kind of, it's like gets old, but he still keeps doing it, Danny. No, I'm teasing. It's, he does it every men's breakfast. He does it when we get together. He'll say, okay, go around the room. He gets everybody involved and he says, um, introduce yourself and tell about your family. All right. And then he asked us to sum up our character. This part is like, oh, wow, this, this is going to be challenging. Sum up your character with just one word. I'm thinking, hey, you want me to sum up who I am, my character, with just one word? Describes who we are? I think, um, 
I think it would have been more fun, Danny, had you just said, have your neighbor beside you describe your character. You thought about that. But he's, you, you get to describe yourself, you know. I mean, it would have been interesting to know what Billy Tomlin thought about me, you know. So around the room we went, and folks came up with some really cool words and used to describe their character. We get to Joe Van Patten. And he had what I think is the most interesting um, response. It came his time to use his one word. He says, uh, boldly proclaim, confident, maybe. <laughs> Something wrong with that, right? He got a good laugh from the guys just as you did. My word at the time that I said was blessed. As I was writing this sermon, I was thinking about this illustration and kind of in moving into kind of closing out this series. And uh, I thought about the many different words that were used as we were describing ourselves. And men, when they said this, I thought, wow, that really fits them perfectly. That, that's, that's good, you know. Some said dependable, some said, I don't remember, but it, it was fitting that they, they knew exactly what they were saying was, was very, it was what described them. Um, and just as a side note, there was one word as I was looking over this last night, thinking about, I probably could have used that would have been much more appropriate that described me, unfortunately. And actually, this same word is synonymous with every man who attended that retreat. In fact, it's synonymous with every one of you who are within the sound of my voice this morning. And the word is this, sinner. And thank goodness that we have a choice to have a better description by using the word saved. I'm still a sinner. But I am saved by the grace of God. Interesting enough that Danny would choose to use this exercise of word personality choice because I was thinking long before he did of how I was going to finish up this series. And uh, thinking about different kinds of words that Describe the Apostle Paul. And there are some really incredible words, I think. We can certainly say sinner saved by grace. But there were a lot of other words that describe the character of Paul that we see in this account that Luke tells us about. The word that I am choosing this morning is this, steadfastness. 
Paul was steadfast in his determination to use these circumstances to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was steadfast in his sufferings. He was steadfast in his message. He was steadfast in his commitment. He was steadfast in his concern for others even beyond himself. He was steadfast in his defense of his, human, of his Roman rights. He was steadfast in being consistent with how he preached and how he lived his life. And most of all, he was steadfast in his commitment to Jesus Christ and nothing was going to interfere with him doing what God wanted him to do wanted him to do, not being arrested illegally, not being stripped naked and beaten within an inch of his life, life not thrown into a nasty, dark jail, not, not um, having his hands, uh, his feet pound in shackles, not an earthquake, not abandoning the mission when he could have escaped. No one would have blamed him for that. But none of these situations would he ever abandon what his mission was because he was steadfast. Staying put. Choosing not to quit. The dictionary defines the word steadfast as firm in belief. Determination. Loyal or faithful. Paul's steadfastness serves as an inspiration and a challenge for any person who's contemplating giving up or settling for second best. His unwavering attention to God's priorities makes him an example of how to remain calm and sober, reliable when others give up. His steadfastness, is, it, comes, it came from his commitment to God regardless of what the cost were. He writes about this, and he admonishes other Corinthians to do this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I think about one of the great privileges that I've had to serve as pastor of this church have been the long-standing relationships that I've been able to enjoy for years, some going back more than 51 years, and how I've seen steadfastness in so many of our people who have hung in here regardless who continue, and, and newer relationships who are doing the same. They're steadfast. And here's one thing I will know. One of these days, there'll be many a person who, when it was easier to quit, continued on. When they were being persecuted in some way or another for continuing in their faith, continuing in their beliefs, they chose to stay steadfast. And one day, Jesus will say to them, Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Who will understand their labor has not been in vain. 
We need to be steadfast, church, for what comes. When we wonder what tomorrow is going to bring, we need to remain steadfast. God has a plan, and he doesn't abandon us. It's up to us to follow his lead. Finally, we see how these steadfast men of God responded when the magistrates came to lead them out of jail. Verse 40 says, After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and the sisters and encouraged them. Before they even get to this part here, then they left. They're basically saying to the magistrates, you know what? You've set us free. We will eventually move on, but we're going to do it on our time because there's still another job that we have to do before we leave. And here it tells us what they did. They go to the house, they met with the brothers and the sisters, and they encouraged them. We're not leaving because you say leave. We're going to do what God has called us to do no matter what. And when God tells us it's time to leave, that's when we'll leave. This story is such a great example of what God is calling us to do as individuals and as a church. Now it's up to us. What are we going to do? How will we follow? Would you bow your heads in prayer, please? It's an amazing story, Father, of how Paul and Silas were so faithful to carry out your work. Father, I don't know what all of us are being called to do in our own personal lives, but you certainly have a plan. You certainly have a purpose. I pray that it's revealed and that as it's revealed, we're ready to say, I'm going to continue this. I've been doing it for years. I'm going to keep on hanging in there. I'm going to keep on. I am not going to quit. I'm going to keep on. And the word that could be used to describe me would be steadfast. Because I know there's a greater purpose than just how and what goes in my life. That God, I can see the kingdom purpose in what I do and how you're leading me. And you're orchestrating things that I don't understand. I, don't, I can't see. I don't even know what tomorrow's going to look like. But... But God, you can count on me to be steadfast. Lord, I pray that that's our prayer. That steadfastness starts with that relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that here today, then that's the first step. To say I'm a sinner. I don't deserve anything. 
other than what sinners get. But I realize that Jesus, you came so that I'd have a choice. I could overcome my sin by forgiveness that you give me. And so today I choose you. I accept that you died and paid the price for my sin. And I ask to be forgiven by you. If that's you today, then make that choice to follow him. If God's laying on your heart to do something during this time of invitation, I encourage you to be obedient. And you'll know because the Holy Spirit, He's the one talking to you right now. And if He's leading you to do something, then don't miss this opportunity. Jesus, help us to have the courage to take a stand right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand. Oh
before you and sing this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe be seated for a moment, please. Do you want to do any of the announcements with me? We can. Yeah. yeah. We so, have, so we have anybody else coming up here? I guess it's just you and me. Just me and you. Yeah. Kelly? Where's Kelly? When we I need? have no idea where Kelly is. Do we ever know where Kelly really is? No, we don't. You know. <laughs> No one ever know the frame of mind. He's I don't even ever really. We could go on and on with we jokes about Kelly. We could go on with him the whole time. And that'd be all funny, too. It know? would be very funny. So we have announcements on the screen. You've got them in the bulletin. You can see what they are. Uh, I, I think there's a soup night taking place here tomorrow night from yeah. the ladies uh, all gathering together for soup night. It is soup with a purpose. Uh, you can join for a cozy night. I'm not sure exactly what that means. So... <laughs> Building relationships and friendships, that's it. And praying blessings over your coat donations that you've been doing. And the uh, big wire box out there is so all full. full of coats. Thank yeah. you so much. So A lot of people will be blessed with that. And if you haven't brought them by yet, today's the last day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, 
If you still want to bring them by, donate them someplace else besides here because they're all going away. <laughs> I, is that yeah. the way it works? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I well, think and so. we have any other, other stuff going on yeah. uh, this week? I think we have like uh, the fall retreat. I believe Kelly said that there's just a little bit of room left. I know that there's some ladies spots that he's trying to fill. So any of you uh, young adult ladies, you high school gals, um, it's time to get onto this fall retreat. It would be a great time to, so you can probably come and see uh, myself, but I think Sean is here as well, or you can, yeah, there you go. And you can speak with him about some of that information. So, so you can burn ships. Yeah, burn ships. I think, no, I don't think it's going to be that. I don't know. Hopefully it won't be that. So it says. And then there's going to be some other stuff, like I think we have also Growing in Christ, is the discipleship course that uh, John Bagwell is going to be leading next Sunday. Um, and, and if we don't have enough at that time, we can always push it a Sunday out one more. But it's a six-week study, and it's pretty cool, right, Steve? It's not just for new believers. It's for those who have also been walking with Christ but just want to firm up your foundation. I remember just being told as a coach, uh, as a player and then a coach, two players, you never forget your your basics. You always have to go back to your basics. And this is just a, not just basics to your Christian faith, but assurances of your Christian faith. And we're going to be doing that for six weeks. It'll be a meeting right there in the kitchen um, for six weeks of study, real short time, real short time. We'll provide the books for you and all that good stuff. So um, I think there was a, a did we want to play this, Kevin? Just the little men's retreat. Uh, so this is a little compilation of just some pictures that we took over the weekend. So um, it was kind of cool. This uh, I don't think we have any fun little music and stuff to it. But uh, that right there hanging on the wall was not a fresh kill of a bear, but it was there as a centerpiece. But that was our little set for worship. And uh, we were led by just three. I was not sleeping guys. here. You I'm know, not he sure. Was, I think we were praying. He was praying. I knew you were going to point that out, Steve. I Man, knew come on. I know we did, but that was the only picture that Danny took. He's not, you know what. But this was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. My son uh, and and Liam, they just enjoyed that a ton, and that was such a popular thing. I was so pleased with that. Thank you, Steve, for bringing that um, and just helping turn pens. And Lewis. A lot of fun. And then we just had a good relaxing time, just hanging around in the lodge for the day. Um, obviously, uh, Al and, and, and Jamil out there. And then um, we played a little bit. We played some cornhole. Um, and uh, Danny, oh, Danny, where are you? Brother, he's still the champion with uh, cornhole. God bless you. We're doing our best to make sure that that can be thwarted at some time soon. And then a little canoe down the river. And then Joe just wanted to say, hey, you know what, like Steve said, you guys that missed it, please come and join us next year. We would really love to have you. So um, that's awesome. You guys, why don't you do me a favor? Let's stand as we just conclude and just go ahead and pray us out of here. Father, we just thank you so much for what is ahead of us this week, Lord. We just know that you have divine appointments for us. We know that we have work to do with you. Those of us who are in Christ, we don't stay in this room. We're now scattered and sent into the culture and the community to proclaim the nature and the name and the magnitude of Jesus. May we do it like Paul and Silas with courage, sometimes in just our silence, but sometimes in our speaking, Lord. And we just help us to discern when that is necessary. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for all the things that you're doing and continue to do in our body in Christ's name. God bless you guys. God bless you. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. 
If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.